You're listening to the Never Heard of It podcast. I'm Sean Harwell. And I'm Craig Moorhead. Uh, and of, the, of course, this is the podcast where we uh, look at all the movies that have fallen. To, uh, God damn it. Can we try one more time? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's no way that was not going to trip us up again. <laughs> I got excited there for a second. I was like, oh, wow. We just I know. This. And Never Heard of It is the podcast where we take a look at the movies that have fallen through our cracks. That's right, and today I think we may be looking at two movies, uh, just by <laughs> pure accident. Uh, but we we can get straight into that. And the movie that we had talked about uh, the last time we spoke, uh, I asked you if you had heard of a movie called The Swap, and you told me that you had not. And then uh, some time went by, and did you ever hear of The Swap before sitting down to watch it, Craig? Uh, no, I'd never heard of The Swap. Uh, it's a little tough because The Swap as a title is not very distinctive. But uh, the first thing that came to my mind was that Jason Bateman movie about him and some semen in a turkey baster a little while ago. Yeah. But I figured that was probably not what you were talking about. No, that's so, the the switch. If I'm the switch, not exactly. Exactly. I haven't seen but. the switch, the swap, you know. But okay. uh, so no, I'd never heard of this. Okay, well, let me tell you why I picked this. I I was just farting around, as I'm prone to do, on Amazon mm. Instant Prime, mm. and I see this little thumbnail for a movie called The Swap, and it's got De Niro uh, making uh, a, a pistol out of his finger. You know, mm-hmm. classic boys playing uh, cops and robbers, whatnot. I'm like, okay, what's this, right? And the little description says this is an early De Niro film. 1969 is the year they're showing, which casts him as a New York film editor working on a documentary about blah, 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 blah. I didn't care. I'm like, oh, sweet. Early, (laughs) we're talking 1970s era almost, De Niro movie I've never heard of, and he's a film editor. Craig, you're an editor. I thought this was... This was perfect for us. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. And so that, that's what fueled my decision to want to see this thing. And not only that, like, yeah, the poster has this great tagline. that says, he's tough, he's cool, he's murder on women, and their death on him. Which, yeah. that, that sounds like a good movie to me, right? Sounds pretty crazy. Um, and so, well, here's obviously where it gets a little crazier. Um, as we discussed briefly before doing this, I sat down to watch this on Amazon Instant. And I press play on the swap, and instantly pops up uh, the titles for something called Samsung. Yes. And there's De Niro, and yes, he's working as an editor, and I have no clue what the heck's going on. (laughs) Uh, And then it turns out you sat down to watch this movie somewhere else. (laughs) Yes. And uh, you press play on the swap, and what what happened? (laughs) I, I, I put off watching the movie for so long. There was such a such a gap between the time when we decided to watch the movie and I finally watched it right. that uh, I was too embarrassed to ask you where it was. So, <laughs> um, but but I thought you had said Amazon, and for some reason, I don't know how I missed it, but I searched for it. Maybe not actually on Amazon, maybe through Yidio or something. But I searched for it, and it didn't come up. And I thought, oh no, like I'm supposed to find this somewhere else. So then I looked on Crackle. I didn't see it on Crackle. I actually found it on YouTube. And I started watching it there, but then I was like, oh, this looks terrible. Like, the, the quality is awful. I, mm-hmm. I got to find it somewhere else. So then I found it on snagfilms.com. Okay. And the quality is exactly the yeah, same. Do, do, it's completely it terrible. It doesn't look good. Uh, what no. I saw on Amazon, and it sounds like 
yeah, the internet was probably trying to do us a favor by steering us away um, yeah. from these two movies. But that said, it turns out, yeah, there's there's kind of an interesting story behind this thing. And so I, I feel like that's sort of where we got to start, right? Absolutely. Because that, how it's Why are there two movies that are clearly <laughs> have, have some footage in common? Yeah. And I, I've yeah. seen one, and you've seen the other, and that's about mm-hmm. it. So Samsung, apparently, yeah. yes, was made in 1969. And this is the movie that I watched, and it is about De Niro. He plays a New York film editor. He goes into his office, which is very, like, dark, dank office. He's working on actual film, which is kind of fun to see. Um, he's working on a documentary about Nixon. And one of the things that actually I did find interesting about watching this was the footage they were doing was uh, that he was cutting was about some sort of like a great picker strike or something that was going on <laughs> during the Nixon administration. I was like, that's kind of cool. I want to know more about that. And of course I haven't looked it up, but still it's on the to-do list. <laughs> and then there's a great little moment within this thing where De Niro, I think it's just when he comes in, he opens up, the fridge, right? And, you know, it's it's like a production office. It's a messy fridge. Uh, there's a baseball in this refrigerator, Craig, that has a word written in ink on the baseball. And uh, I'll just, just one guess at what it says. Uh, the swap? No, it says ball. Ah, uh, he, there we go. He doesn't acknowledge that there's a baseball <laughs> in the refrigerator, that says ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just there. I don't I don't know why. Anyway, he gets a phone call from some friends or a friend. I don't remember which. Uh, there's some, I think there's a little bit of parallel action to another couple. Uh, their names are Andrew and Erica. And mm-hmm. they're very obviously uh, a somewhat unhappy married couple. There's the creepiest, weirdest longest uh, prelude to sex scene that I've seen in a long time for a movie that's not like a horror movie or uh, really even a thriller. Um, Mm -hmm. And this guy, Andrew, is played by an actor named Jared Mickey, who he looks like like bizarro Sam Donaldson. You know who Sam Donaldson is? Like yes. the news anchor. Yeah. Like that's all I kept thinking was this, this, ah, this guy just looks like a weird. And he's sort of all over his wife, but again, just like staring too much. And it, it it's designed to put you off and succeeds in that manner. Uh, Erica yes. Moore, uh, the wife is played by an actress named Jennifer Warren, who I, I did recognize. And I looked her up and she's in the movie Slapshot. I think she plays one of the players wives. If you're a fan of that movie, I am. I love it. So anyway, they invite De Niro to go to, I think it's just a house in the Hamptons, basically. And so, you know, it's sort of bringing this kind of film editor who works in the dark, who obviously doesn't have a ton of money into the world of the rich. And as soon as they get there, De Niro is like, why haven't you invited me here before? He's like complaining. (laughs) And I'm just like, dude, seriously, just be glad that they invited you there. And so the rest of the movie takes place here in the Hamptons and I'm telling like this is like 79 of the 89 movie uh, minutes and right. there's another woman there named Carol who's this very alluring blonde woman and De Niro's you know completely smitten with her from the word go it's just one of these things where he falls in love with her right from the start kind of I guess I don't know they hook up they have sex and the other couple's bed is just weird and icky and then <laughs> Andrew and Erica the unhappy couple 
Andrew's just like after this other girl that De Niro's into the whole time and just completely blatantly obvious about it right in front of his wife. It's just gross, so gross. And uh, and mm-hmm. ultimately ends up hooking up with her on a boat. And so yes. Erica is like, that's it. I can't take it anymore. They, I think they call like the Coast Guard or somebody. There's some other boat that comes and takes her off of that boat and De Niro's like, I'm going to go with you because he knows, oh, this girl that I thought was into me is now hooking up with creepy dude, creepy Sam Donaldson. Mm-hmm. He leaves. They go back to shore to the parking lot where the car is. She gets in her car and says something to him. Don't even remember. Don't really care. Drives off. Fast speed. Gets in a wreck around the corner. Dies. The <laughs> end. That's the end. That is the end. And not only that, it was bookended. That was also the beginning. I did leave that out because I don't want to spoil anything. But it sort of starts with a, a cop saying, did you see it happen? Which, that's kind of a cool way to start, like a mystery. Sure. But that's that's not exactly what we get here. So that, mm. in a, a very small nutshell, is what Samsung <laughs> is about, even though on Amazon that they call that the swap. Because I was wondering, I was like, oh, it looks like they sort of swapped couple, like partners at the end of this movie. That's why it's called The Swap. I was still so confused. The swap that I saw is is very different. (laughs) Where to begin? Clearly, everything that has De Niro in it is from this original movie. Okay. So, uh, So some of what we watched was the same. Although uh, the opening is probably the same as the opening of Samsung, where he's walking through, uh, seems like the streets of New York. He goes to his office. Uh, he puts things in the refrigerator. I don't remember there being a ball that said ball. Okay. On, but that, that could have happened. Uh, maybe I couldn't see it. Was there <laughs> the, the Nixon documentary? There was no Nixon documentary. So in this one, he's going to his office. And as he's approaching his office, you see gloved hands going through film reels, film cans. And then you cut out to see De Niro, you know, arriving at the door opening the door the hands stop suddenly they you know the person goes and hides and then De Niro comes in he does the business with the uh, refrigerator he flips on something and you just hear moaning and clearly uh, glorious lovemaking going on okay and then he sits down and he has the same phone conversation okay which means absolutely nothing to me and then the intruder uh, knocks him over the head with something, and it's too dark in there to tell what the hell it was. So, but do you do you actually see De Niro himself get knocked over the head? No, you see it from ah, behind. Okay, yeah, uh, kind of see so where this yeah, is going so, now, huh? Exactly. So, and then, okay, so you've given me almost nothing. De Niro never <laughs> feels like he's in any kind of danger because he wasn't. And then, uh, as soon as he's knocked out, it cuts to a title card that says ten years later." I thought, oh man, okay, almost nothing happened. Right. But let's let's just skip to ten years later. Maybe he's been knocked out for ten years. <laughs> so ten years later, we we are inside of a prison. Oh. Okay. And there's a guy who's about to get out of prison. His name is Vito. And it takes a very long time, with a very small amount of shots. Right. To get Vito out of that prison. But he's just being released, right? Yes. He, he's just he's just being released. Right. So there, there's a, a, a sequence. I would say there's a shot that maybe lasts as long as two full minutes 
of just over the shoulder of someone who works at the prison giving him his stuff. So you're riveted at this point. Completely riveted. Okay. Completely riveted. <laughs> and the quality. This, this was... movie helped me, yes, yeah. uh, gave me lots of time to think about lots of things. Uh-huh. Uh, and that's what I really appreciate about it. Um, yeah. It's meditative. So I think Vito, that's what they, they call meditative. It is, exactly. So Vito gets out, and he's a total stereotypical Italian goomba. Uh, no idea what put him in prison in the first place, but I guess he's a bad guy. I guess he's a, he's a gangster of some kind. He meets up with a some gangster goon. gangster of love? Maybe, maybe, uh, actually, probably, considering how how this version goes, he meets a guy outside the prison. He tells the guy, "I want to go see my brother's grave." In in the in the cemetery, he's looking at a gravestone, and he seems very upset suddenly. And he's talking about Sam. When I find who killed you, I'm going to kill that person. And it's it's this point where I'm like, I wonder if De Niro's name is Sam, because. <laughs> Because I have no idea. I have no clue what's happening right now. Yeah. It's a completely different set of people. And and, and then I think, I, I think, oh, this must be what Sean was thinking I was going to find really funny, probably, is that De Niro gets killed in the first two minutes of this movie, and he doesn't appear anywhere else. I do find that funny. I at least got 89 minutes of De Niro. <laughs> oh, man. Well, no, I, I still got more De Niro, okay. but it, it made less sense, I think, than what Sam's song made okay. for you. So The Swap is a revenge movie. Okay. Okay. So Vito's going to go and talk to people who have been out of prison, I guess, for the last 10 years outside of prison who know what happened so he can figure out who, you know, why his his brother got killed. He goes to talk to Erica Moore. Now that's Ah. that's a very familiar name for you because Erica Moore was the name of the wife, right? Yes. And she begins to tell him the story that leads us into the flashback that they use the Samsung stuff. Although, wait, he talks to Erica? He talks to Erica. Now, don't, uh, don't I, get ahead of me. Because I, I, I thought she was dead. <laughs> I know. Okay. No, yeah, not in this version. Okay. But, but Sean, it gets even weirder, though, okay? <laughs> Trust me. I love this. This is like David Lynch. And keep in mind, I, I'm not going to outline every single time there's a long shot where nothing happens. And, like, maybe someone just stands somewhere. I'm just going to go ahead and assume that's, like, three quarters of the movie. Yeah. So he goes to talk to Erica Moore, and she starts to tell him the story that leads us to the flashback that was Samsung. And so it's De Niro, and he's in the car with this man and this woman, mm-hmm. and the woman's talking to him, and about nothing that matters to me because I'm watching a revenge movie, and Sam is dead, <laughs> right? So none of this means anything to me. They're just talking about weird stuff, and they get to this house. At some point, he's sitting in a wheelchair. Yes, there's all this bizarre business with a wheelchair and how he wants to pretend like he's hurt, right. and none of that makes sense. They end up falling into a pool. Mm-hmm. And all that. So, yes. So, so that all happens. And, and, yes, there's a lot of weird business with this woman whose name is Carol in, in my movie. And, yeah, there's weirdness between uh, the husband and Carol. And, and we get to the boat and all that stuff with the boat that you were talking about where, you know, um, people start hooking up with uh, with Carol on the boat. Right. That's in the swap? Yes. This is all oh, in the swap. Wow. Okay. It's all, it's all being told by Erica. Okay. But it's at this point, Sean, where I'm trying to figure out who... Okay, so Erica is telling the story. I'm trying to figure out which woman is Erica. Right. Like, because, I mean, the copy's really bad, but she doesn't look like these women, but maybe she's the long-haired woman because I, I haven't really gotten a close-up of her. Okay. So I decide, okay, well, that's who Erica is. And then, you know, then she starts telling stories where that woman is not involved. So I'm like, what? 
I don't understand. Is she telling stories where she wasn't there? Like, is that how bad this movie is? And I wrote that note down. I'm like, this is terrible. Yes. She's telling stories where she had no idea what was going on. And then, and then I come to realize that they have cast a completely different actress to play Erica Moore in the, in the what is 10 the, years later footage. Yeah, the present. Yeah. And it's actually Sybil Danning, who if, if people watch lots of B-movies, they've seen lots of Sybil Danning. That was so confusing. I mean, she looks nothing like the original Erica Moore. No, I'm looking looks, at her uh, Yeah, yes. IMDb. She would be a closer uh, double for the other woman, the Carol woman. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, that's where my brain went. Yeah. So with, with no explanation. That's even more confusing that she looks like the other person. <laughs> yeah, she totally does. And, that, and, that's, and it's exactly what I thought it was. But, but everything about her story she was talking about was based on that. <laughs> on the other woman <laughs> so oh a terrible God. choice yeah nothing nothing but confusion and then and he leaves there knowing almost nothing I, I don't even know what information he got out of that and of course that scene went on for a long time right and, does and it, so does this set him off on his revenge basically is that what we're supposed to be launching not Ideally? at all he, he's, no? Okay. He, no he's already 100% ready to go after revenge like he goes in there looking for revenge Oh, okay. Uh, and just he, yeah, he wa- he wants to kill somebody. He just needs he just needs a name. So that's it. And uh, but I did I did want to share this great line uttered by Erica Moore in in my movie. He asks her if she's ever met this one other particular character who also means nothing in the movie. But he asks her if if she's ever met this character, and her line is yes, well, no, to be precise. Okay. I puzzled over that for a very long That's, time. That's, uh, I guess, a, like a metaphysical, uh, spiritual meeting that happened. The, I maybe in a yes. different we've, lifetime. We've always something. known each other. We're in a yeah. different movie. Um, so that goes on anyway. Vito goes and meets with Carol, the other woman. Goes and meets with the the dude, the husband. Talks to all these people. He ends up running into a porn actress who reveals to him that his brother was working in porno movies, and then he decides he needs to see some movie. And, uh, you know, one particular movie that he was tipped off by, I think, Carol, who's now the wife of the husband. A porn movie? Uh, What's the point? Yes, it's it's a porno movie. Okay. But they they go watch the movie. It turns out the husband was involved in the movie and he's and but and he wants to be governor or something. (laughs) And so then and so then Vito goes and kills the guy in the bathtub. Why? The end. Because he decided that that was what what had happened was, uh, oh, his brother had this movie about and that's why the, he got killed. Okay, yeah. I mean it might have been a little more airtight than that, Sean. But I'm not. <laughs> I, I didn't. At some point, I stopped paying attention. <laughs> but here's the thing. Here, here's what's kind of interesting about it, and I think it's it's actually worth sort of suffering through in a way. For one thing, it provides a very good example of how a, a, a slowly paced movie uh, doesn't work. Like if you watch... Yeah, that's a good point. Something, if you watch something like, say, by Kubrick, and then you watch this back to back, in both of them you're going to see a lot of shots, static shots, mm-hmm. where there's really not necessarily a lot of things happening. But I would say generally in a Kubrick movie, <laughs> you feel something. There's 
there's a tension right. or there's a beauty to it or there's but there's something really that tells the story whereas in the swap it's it's like it's like an empty frame it's not kubrick it's it's certainly not <laughs> kubrick right. um so so it, it's kind of good for that reason and and uh it reminded me of something uh john carpenter said in an interview a long time ago kind of the secret to making a really low budget movie is to play your shots as long as you possibly can and he said that about um uh, uh, uh assault on precinct precinct 13 okay was that to give yourself more stuff in the editing room or just well well mainly so that you can end up with a feature length movie gotcha but i think both of these movies from the sound of it were trying to hit that definite 80 plus yes. minute mark uh absolutely by any means necessary yes and 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 i would say you know in assault on precinct 13 is another good example for that reason alone if you're looking to take that advice look at how john carpenter stages that stuff because he does he has lots of very long shots Mm -hmm. there's a shot at the beginning where uh, a, a police officer walks down a sidewalk from his front door walks down a sidewalk gets in his car and starts driving nothing else really happens but for some reason it's perfect like it it takes a long time it eats up plenty of your feature time but i guess a it looks nice it's well composed the actor seems to have a purpose and a motivation to go somewhere neither of those things make sense to me well Um. then uh maybe then maybe i'm alone (laughs) no but but that was that was really something I, i thought a lot about because there were there were so many scenes where yeah nothing would be happening uh there was a really long sequence where someone sneaks into Vito's hotel room to kill him. And, th- okay, so they break into his hotel room, and you just see feet, and they're sneaking through the room slowly. Cut to his face, he's sleeping, and they're sneaking, and he's sleeping, and they're sneaking, and he's sleeping. <laughs> they're only like a, a foot away from the bed. As, yeah, as soon I mean, as they yeah, enter exactly. the room, right? But it takes them six it, hours it, to get there. Yeah, uh, you know, toward the end of the movie, somebody is trying to kill him with a, with a gun with a silencer on it, and I'm just like, Boy, you should have had that gun with a the silencer then, because mm-hmm. then you could have walked in, shot him, and left. And left. But instead, this person goes in, turns on the gas in a hotel room, and then leaves. And then people rescue him. That raises like, several That's the... questions. Yeah. Yeah, right? <laughs> That's maybe the worst assassination attempt I've ever heard. If you are going to watch this movie, and it is a, it's a bad movie. I'm not going to say anything other than that and don't yeah. take anything else away from that yeah but i mean still even in this yeah you can tell de niro is a stud man like he yeah. like there's just there's so many good moments with him but you know it, it is interesting to watch him especially at this point in his career to see what it looks like when he doesn't have a good script when he doesn't have you know mean mm-hmm. streets or godfather 2 or 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 any of those early early movies that he's known for um, but these still like, there's a couple moments in this, like there's this extended sequence where for whatever reason, like he and Carol are on the, I mean, they're walking around forever on this thing, but uh, some of that stuff is kind of, kind of neat. And, and it goes into this like, uh, nonverbal sequence where like, he's just sort of reenacting soldiers dying and getting shot on the beach and like doing all these like elaborate, like death falls. Yeah. And that, that, is that, that was in, in mine the, too, actually. Okay. Yeah. I figured it was because that's where the poster image came from for the swap. Mm-hmm. And I liked that sequence. I mean, there's just, and like it, there's no way in hell that that just wasn't probably improvised by De Niro himself. Right. 
Um, I assume so, yeah. Yeah, and so there, there's moments where I'm like, ah, oh, you know, there, there's some interesting stuff here. Mm-hmm. You only seek it out if you're just dying to, to, <laughs> dying yeah. to see something. But uh, there's a couple little things that I do want to bring up. I mean, you, you brought up a line of dialogue uh, that made no sense. And there were there were a few in here. And a couple of those were De Niro, too, which may he may have also improvised. Um, there was one where I wrote down, he says, um, people with money have a certain look to their skin. It kind of grows. No clue what that means. Like, I just don't know. But then there's also, a, uh, you know, part of the thing is like Sam is, yeah, he's an editor, but he wants to make a movie or he's trying to write a script. And like, you know, it, it, this comes up a couple times, but not often at all. I mean, like his job is such a throwaway thing in this movie. Yeah. But there, there's a few little moments where he sort of talks about movie making and like what he wants to do. And he, t- <laughs> he tells this like. They go well. Hey, they go to this bar, and there's a guy there that's supposedly like a producer, I think, right? Yeah. And the whole the whole scene is weird. Like Sam De Niro shows up with Carol, and the creepy Sam Donaldson immediately like like hones in on her like a moth to the flames. Like you want to dance? You want to dance? And it's just like okay, so creepy. But so <laughs> De Niro is like sitting there talking to this producer guy, and he's like telling him about this idea for a movie he had that was about like guppies you know fish or whatever it was just, it was awful it was so so bad but and it's not like supposed to be f- funny necessarily right but the uh i wrote down what the, the producer says listen to me kid there is very little future in dog and dog fish movies do you have any scripts scripts is where it's at wow but there's just there's so many little things that I mean if you want to just watch the movie to like find all the stuff that's just so bad it's kind of fun. There's little things like when they drive to the parking lot to go catch the boat. It's this big dirt gravel lot, right? Mm-hmm. Tons of free parking spaces. The creepy Sam Donaldson finds the one spot where there's like a puddle right beside the door that the other person's getting out. I'm like, what a dick. That's kind of a dick move. <laughs> And then uh, also on the boat, there's like a I, – I, I can't remember the sequence, but for some reason there's this woman who just up and pulls a Mickey Mouse alarm clock out of her purse. No idea what the motivation was behind these like choices from the filmmakers, but you know there they are. They're kind of fun to see. Um, but yeah, it, it's, a, it's a bit of a chore to get through this thing, man. Also, I would say uh, watching this on Snag Films, which is I guess a free site. Yeah, I, uh, I, didn't so. have, I, didn't, I didn't have to pay for anything, and it was ad supported. I thought it was mostly documentaries, though. That's this is news. Maybe it may be. of something else. No, no, there there are a lot of documentaries on there. Um, okay. Uh, but free plug for Snack Film. Yeah, well, well, kind of. They're not going to like this. Uh, not no, that they're not. listening, but but uh, something was up with their ad system because half the time, like their ad would start playing over the movie. So I would just be hearing the audio and this ad for like vacuum cleaners comes on. <laughs> Did it make it so any better? That probably got my attention focused back onto sta- uh, the, the movie. Well, I had one very kind of weird moment uh, watching Samsung yes. where, and maybe you, you saw this as well, but uh, there's when Carol and Sam are on the beach, like Carol says something about like, what's your sign? And De Niro's like, oh, I don't believe any of that crap. Where she's like, well, but you got a sign. Everybody has a birthday. When's your birthday? And so Sam says he was born on April 19th. And 
Guess when I watched this movie, Craig? No. April 19th. That's right. That's spooky, man. Get out the Ouija board. Let's do oh, this. Man. I am going to get out the Ouija board. Yeah, it will mean nothing. Oh. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, the fun of that is nothing. But it did make me, again, like you and your vacuum cleaner, perk up for a little bit and get back to the movie, sadly. Uh, And so I think what happened, surprisingly, there's not, I mean, there just doesn't appear to be much information about how these two movies existed, right? Right. All all I could find was really on Wikipedia. And like, I mean, the entry for Samsung is, is barely a paragraph, right? Right. And so it looks like, yes, this was made in 69, and it was a very early performance by De Niro. Obviously, he took off after this, and then a completely different director, which I, that's the only thing I thought, well, maybe I can forgive this if the swap was made by the same filmmaker. And he's like, look, nobody saw my movie with De Niro, and now he's a star. I'm going to just recut this thing. But it's not. It's a different director entirely. Oh, I didn't took, realize that. Yeah, it's well, at least it's credited to a different director, Jordan Leondopoulos. Oh, no, that is the same guy. John Shade is what he yeah. says. It's well, this guy. is saying this, that uh, Samsung was directed by... Oh. Okay, well, on, Wiki, on IMDb it says Jordan... All right, hang on, this is... Okay, Samsung it says was directed by John Broderick and John Shade. Okay, so maybe... Gotcha. So he had something to do with the first one. John Shade, which I guess is like an appropriate last name for a freaking shady-ass move here. Um, yeah, it, he looks like he just completely took what he had from Samsung and cut this into a, a, what sounds like a worse movie. Um, yeah. And I, I don't know why, if you're going to... If you're going to even try to capitalize on that, why not put more or make it about De Niro, at least? It sounds like it's not even about him. It's like it's about his brother. But... Yeah. Uh, the only thing that's sort of like footnote about it is that <laughs> I lo- here's a line. I'll just read the line because I love it. Sure. It says Robert De Niro was angered that Canon Films took his previously shot footage and inserted it into an entirely new movie. Legal action was almost taken. <laughs> so I don't know if that means there was some sort of settlement or if this movie got shelved. Like you know, De Niro's lawyers were like, "You have to shelve this for X number of years or what?" Yeah. If- Anybody out there knows, I would love to hear about this because, I mean, it's, it's fascinating in, in that sense. I mean, a dude it made, is. you know, I don't, I wonder how he even lucked to getting, you know, even early De Niro in his film if he was just like knew him from New York or something. Well, he must have. And I mean, it, it did, it came so early in his career. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he, he'd done almost nothing, a couple of shorts. He did a Brian De Palma movie, but even that one is uh, not exactly famous, it looks like. Ah. So so yeah, but yeah, by the time this had come out, yeah, I mean, he had done Godfather 2 and Taxi Driver. The interesting thing too is on on his IMDb, uh the swap is listed as an ar- as archive. Uh it's it's not even listed in his movies. Wow. Well, and what's also crazy is uh on IMDb for Samsung, the poster their image that they have is for something called Line of Fire, which yeah. I don't know if that was an alternate title for Samsung or for... Or for The Swap. Swap. I think that was an alternate title for The Swap. It has to be because that's Vito right there on the front. Yeah, there would be absolutely no point in calling Samsung. So anyway, you can see that clearly this has confused the entire internet. (laughs) Amazon, uh, which obviously Amazon owns IMDb, but they they got it wrong on several accounts. 
Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I would love to to know more about what's up with this thing and how it came to be. But yeah, I, I think it's a good lesson. I mean, if you're Absolutely. lucky enough to work with a good direct, uh, good actor, yeah, why would you burn that bridge by trying to completely milk it out for another movie? It's just uh, it's just yeah. such a tackless, crappy thing to do. And I don't it know is. if it killed that guy's career, but. You almost kind of hope so. I don't yeah, know. He, he didn't do much after that, that's for sure. Uh, it looks like he's got two credits, The Swap and Sam, Sam Song, and then two, he edit. Ah, he was the editor of Wolfen. That and The Exorcist. Yeah. Well, he wasn't the yeah. editor of Exorcist, he was the supervisor. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it seems like he could have done... And, oh, snap. Listen to this. Trivia. Oh, became please. an English professor at City College in New York. I bet we can find this guy. <laughs> wow. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. Somebody out there interview him. Yeah, email him. Let's get to the bottom of this. Oh, he was nominated for an Oscar. For goodness' sake. The, wow. the other interesting thing, something else to note is, as poor as the swap is, the revenge story is somewhat interesting. And I guess what I mean is, it sort of proves to me how durable the revenge genre is. Oh yeah. Because even with this, which is a complete mess and just utterly confusing there's there's that through line that you just you can't you just can't destroy or at least this didn't destroy it at least no, this well, stayed I mean, with that like look, he wanted yeah. to kill somebody and at the end he did and that was the thrust of the whole movie and it was look, easily organized along that line sure you i know? mean look at uh look at the current climate i mean liam neeson has had a complete resurgence based on the revenge plot it looks like i think pierce brosnan is kind of doing a little bit of the same thing yeah although i don't know anyone who's seen any of those movies but they keep popping up it seems like maybe we should watch one of them but yeah. uh yeah it is is such a durable template for cinema yeah. you know i mean it's just as as long as you've got a protagonist who's been wronged and is trying yeah. to correct that it's 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 easy to forgive them their sins in a lot of ways, and then usually right. they have to sort of, you know, have some sort of retribution, or they have to pay the moral code, uh, the moral yes, piper, exactly. for what they're well, doing by the end of it. And that's that's drama, man. I mean, that's yeah, it's conflict yeah. all the way through from the start to the finish. You know, yeah, it is. It's 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 all sort of built in. As long as you have a bad enough thing happen to the person at the beginning, you're pretty much set. Yeah, and just, as long as you just set the camera there and just like turn it on and walk away for like five minutes while you're filming somebody doing nothing, <laughs> no matter what's happening, <laughs> audiences will go on that thrill ride. <laughs> <laughs> you can shoot a movie in pretty much a day with thirteen shots. Well, uh, do you have anything else you want to say about uh, either of these movies? I mean, do you think you will watch Samsung at some point in your life before you shuffle? off this mortal coil i i don't think i will it sounds like you don't need to i think you saw more of that movie yeah uh than you probably need to see any yeah. additional amount yeah uh, and i've seen none of the swap really yeah but, you know yeah so maybe I, think, I'll... I think you're i think you are gonna have to watch the swap but i don't I think see. i have to watch samsung ah I hate you yeah at least in yours there did seem to be a switch a swap of people well i guess yeah. i guess it was the same in mine maybe there's like the swap of the of the women but i mean it made no it made no difference to i would the say but that, that does, doesn't even sound like it's uh, that has nothing to do with the revenge plot absolutely it? nothing no and it has nothing to do with why de niro got killed no no there's a lot of strife uh i i, I can't ever watch this again to try and figure out if, if it was they tried to tie it in somehow but yeah, there was that all that relationship strife. 
but it had nothing to do with why he got killed. God, I'm still confused. So De Niro gets the call about going away for yeah. the weekend. He like talks about and lunch then gets or knocked out. What's that? And then gets yeah. knocked out. Yeah, I think he. I think he hangs up the phone and then he gets knocked out. And then oh, it's God, ten. That years didn't later. even make sense that he went on the trip. Then that is <laughs> no right. Yeah, no, it doesn't make any sense at that's all. That's ridiculous. Yeah. So yeah, that that's right. So the phone call he takes is about that trip. Yes, I think so. I think I'm pretty as my if memory serves. Yeah. Well, you know, it's possible to keep Why this at at, oh, at the God. highest possible confusion level. It's possible that he wasn't murdered that night and was just knocked out, and they just never. <laughs> he just the went fact on this. They later killed him. <laughs> so he just went on this trip for the weekend and never said anything about getting knocked out or anything like that. Yeah, they were like, "You yeah. might want to call a cop." Nah, nah, nah. Let's just go away. Nah, the let's go with you guys. Oh man, yeah, amazing. Good stuff. That's that's really crazy, crazy. I got all right. I gotta watch it now. Now I feel like I gotta watch you it. Probably do. Well, that was a fun experiment. <laughs> <laughs> it was. I wish there were more movies like this. I know. There's got to be, though, right? Yeah. The, the other thing I was kind of thinking about, although it's not exactly the same, is are those two Exorcist movies that mm. one uses some of the footage of the first one, but they're right. shot by two completely different people. Oh, man. Who was that? Was that Rennie Harlan and... Um, Paul Schrader. Yes. I feel like I heard stories that it wasn't like Francis Coppola brought in to do some of, like, fix Event Horizon or something like this. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that kind of stuff does happen but as far as like a the same director making two movies out of one basically i do yeah. wonder like when the last time that's happened or if it's well the, yeah. the, the other one i can think of is uh plan nine right so that was a long time before but but they used a bunch of bella lugosi footage from yep. something else that was shot yeah you're right uh in that but yeah i i would love to know about more of these types of movies i'd especially like to let, know about one that works really well I would love to watch a movie that works really well that, that actually cannibalized mm-hmm. another movie. The Limey, sure maybe? There. But the, the Limey doesn't really use a lot of the other footage. Do you remember that movie? I do, the Soderbergh thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I forget which... That's like it borrows from like an earlier Terrence Stamp movie, right? Yeah. We'll have to look into this and, and do... Maybe we'll just do a whole series of like cannibalized be, films. Yeah. It's kind of fun. It is. It really is. Craig. Yeah. We are about to unload a very special episode of the Never Heard of It podcast and have guest filmmaker and friend of the show, Todd Rohal, on to talk about a movie called Reflections of Evil from 2002. That's right. And you can find that on Vimeo and or YouTube. There is a bit of discussion that there are a couple different cuts out there. I honestly don't think it's going to matter that much which one you see. Just you got to see this thing. It is definitely a movie that is an experience, and it is definitely something to talk about. So get your friends, get some cocoa, get some sweaters, comfy sweaters, and gather around someone's laptop at work and watch it. And, uh, you know, if you don't know who Todd Rojo is, look him up. We'll be talking about that next week some more. But, yeah, it was great to have him on, and I think we got a really good show for you. It's a good one. 
Craig, I also just uh, real quickly, I did just look up this uh, John Shade, yes. which was some confusion about director Jordan Leodopoulos. Right. Leon Dopolis. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like he used John Shade as a pen name for his directing credit on the swap. Uh, and that apparently is a character from uh, Vladimir Nabokov's novel, Pale Fire. That may mean something to the literary folks out there. <laughs> that is interesting. Yeah. If we have any Nabokov scholars in the audience, <laughs> I'd love to know the significance of this. If, if there is any, or if he just picked a book up at a library and turn to a page and pointed at it. <laughs> yes. We, we we'll talk about that on, on never read it. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> next time. And last but not least, uh, I would like to say a hearty hello and send people to check out a podcast friend of the show. Uh, if you look it up on iTunes, look up the up late network. Um, this, these guys are actually doing three count them three podcasts and they cover the gamut. Uh, two of the guys are, both familiar to the comic book industry and work in the comic book industry. So they got a podcast that talks about comics. Uh, they got one that talks about TV and they got one called Marty that I haven't even listened to yet, but I'm dying to. That's all about movies that deal with time travel. And obviously a, uh, a little shout out to uh, Mr. McFly. So check that out and uh, yeah, listen to some podcasts. And also I think we would be remiss if we did not mention our sister podcast, maybe our, Mother uncle, podcast? uncle podcast? I don't know. If we, <laughs> I don't know. But uh, uh, the, there's a podcast out there called A Little Snack by two gentlemen uh, who I think are solely still known as uh, Monolith and Bear Trap. I'm not sure. Do they use their real names? I don't think they have real names. I think that's it. Uh, that's a good point. Uh, they only exist to create a, this podcast. Mm-hmm. And that's really what makes it the most interesting. Uh, seek that out in iTunes. Uh, seek it out. Listen to it. There are a hundred or so episodes, so you got plenty to get through. Yeah, you could probably listen to all of them before they record their next one, even. So yeah, they're very uh, finicky. They want to make sure that every episode they make is absolutely the best it can be. I think they've actually recorded over a thousand podcasts. I don't know if you know that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But they they only put out the very best. So yeah, go check it out. Go listen. Go li- leave reviews and uh, uh, stars. I think it's a great idea. And as always, you can find us. Uh, we have a Facebook page now. You can check us out on Twitter at Never Podcast. Visit our website, NeverHeardPodcast.com, and you know what to do with all the rest. We're excited about the next episode, and we'll talk to you soon. Keep the suggestions coming. We're going to do one real, real soon. All right. We'll see you next time.